Welcome back to another episode of Two Words, Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast. My name's Michael and we go again. It's been a couple of weeks. We sit here on a Sunday afternoon after a bit of a bruising Saturday. I'm with my cousin Will. How are things, mate? How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I thought you were so disappointed that you weren't about to introduce me then. <laughs> um, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling well, I'm feeling healthy. I had a lovely day out yesterday at one of the best stadiums you'll probably ever visit. Saw an unbelievable game of rugby. And aside from that, the last two weeks have been okay. Sort of ticking along at work, not too much to report. As you say, we go again. Here we are back on the podcast. I've missed it. I've missed you, mate. I know. I've, How are things least, your end? Yeah, fine. It's been a bit of a weird sort of couple of weeks given sort of, you know, not tracking any Quinn stuff um, that that greatly. Obviously, we've had the, the culmination of the Six Nations, um, Ireland's Grand Slam, beating England in a valiant performance, I would say, from, from the England yeah. boys in Dublin. Sounds fair. Didn't quite get over the line. Bit of controversy with red cards and stuff like that, but... Yeah, it's been a bit of a, a, an interesting couple of weeks. Um, it's getting to that sort of period now where my season is on the decline. I've got not, not long until the Easter holidays. Mm. You know, clocks have moved today, so we're getting into that little bit more spring and early summertime. So hopefully the weather starts to turn and we can watch some um, some running rugby in the sun over the next two or three weeks. But <laughs> We yeah. say as we sat here recording in the <laughs> miserable rain, I don't know if you've finally opened your curtains yet. But I'm <laughs> no, I haven't. It's a downpour outside. No, I've um, I've not opened the curtains yet. I'm still in the misery of yesterday's result. But never mind. On we go. Let's have a little think about what's happened in the last couple of weeks. There's been a little bit of news come out. There's been some end of Six Nations in the men's. There's been the start of the Six Nations in the women's. But we have actually had a couple of contract renewals. Uh, Lewis Schoutemer and George Hammond have both renewed. We don't know for how long. We'd imagine they'll be on a couple of year contracts. That seems to be common in the renewals that we've had over the last I don't know year or so seems to be the seems to be the case what are your thoughts on on those two boys committing their future to the club yeah there's a bit of a weird cycle with renewals isn't there they seem to come around in batches and and this batch obviously included George Hammond and Lewis Yaltimer and I can't remember which one was first but they were both announced probably within a day of each other George Hammond absolutely over the moon he's got a big future at harlequins he's going to be surrounded by the best in the business next season he's going to have the captain of the club steph louise as he has done the last couple of years sort of guiding him and nurturing him on his journey but we'll also have the introduction of joe launchbury which is going to be monumental for a young player like him just to absorb and be a sponge and, and just watch and learn as opposed to interview the guy and ask him hundreds of questions which he'll obviously do anyway but his development's about to fast track, and I'm so confident of that. He's he's a real talent. He's got a good engine on him. He's got good wheels on him as well, George Hammond. He's quite Quincy, as we've said many times before. So I'm excited to see the potential of his future. He's also a nice guy. We've bumped into him a few times off the pitch, and he's a great character, someone that I'd love to go on a night out with. I think he'd be great value. You see the, the boys go on their little holidays whenever there's a break. It's usually him, Jack Musk. Hugh Tissard even gets involved actually the, the lone Saracen that joins the boys on a holiday um, and they look like they have good fun so pleased to see him signing on I'm not sure how we'll, we'll utilise him next season with the arrival of Joe Launchbury and I imagine he could do a little bit more at six compared to some other second rows we've got a good stable of, of hybrid really haven't we with Steph, Dino Hammond that can all cover six as well as the second row so I imagine he'll need to be a little bit more versatile. He might be running out for Scottish a little bit just to keep his match fitness up, but stoked to have him continue. Yeah, I think that's 
you know, we said it when launch Brie was announced, which feels like a long time ago now. Um, we have got a really, really, really strong core of second rows with the captain, Ernie, Dino, Hammond, throwing Joe Launchbury into the mix. And we've got five lads there who are all capable of playing long minutes and good minutes in the second row. And I think you're right. We've seen Steph at six over the period when he's not been injured. We've seen Dino turn out at six. We've seen George Hammond. I think I remember he started at yeah. six in Montpellier from memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Really, really good. The Jouton one's a bit of an interesting one because obviously Danny's re-signed for a year. We've got Will Porter coming in. We've got a little bit of a gripe with Will Porter actually, and we'll say it to his face when we see him. No, we won't. Actually. We'll, <laughs> we'll put it to bed. He's a we'll Bristol player bed. for now, but oh, no. I'm not happy about that sixty points comment or yeah. whatever it was. Fifty points on comms down at Ashton Gate a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, but good to see that's put sixty up. Come on, Will. We've got to show your show your new colours. You're leaving. Just be neutral. Just be, Just be neutral. neutral. Leaving bear country. <laughs> So we'll see how he pans out. Obviously, we've got Scott Steele, who's returned from injury this year. Difficult yeah. to get any game time, obviously, with it, with Danny just turning out performances. Well, so, sorry to interrupt, but I find this really interesting because I don't think Scott Steele got on against Saracens at the weekend, did he? And that's not to say that Scott Steele wouldn't have been a good substitution to make. I think we are just so, so besotted by Danny playing for as long as possible every single week which is obviously a massive compliment to Danny. And we've had this conversation on the podcast numerous times, but is that going to change next season? I don't see how it can change. Danny is so, so important to our side, not just as a quality scrum half, but as a leader, as a game manager, and as a, a bit of experience on the park when you've got a lot of young kids around him, when you've got a young Alex Dombran at eight and a young Marcus Smith at 10, to have Danny in the middle of them makes them better players. So it's not just about Danny being a good nine. He makes the players around him better, which perhaps the likes of Scott Steele, Jaltimer, and maybe Will Porter coming in won't be able to do. That's got to change. These players won't be able to develop. Scott Steele won't be able to develop. Will Porter won't play. Louis Jaltimer won't play. It's got to change. I love Danny Kerr and I, I want him to play for as long as possible because he is so important to our side. But unless we're going to improve, we've got to develop our backup players, our scrum halves who aren't going to get on. Danny's not going to be around forever and then we're going to be left really short. Really it's short. An, it is an interesting point, isn't it? Because we did say it a while ago. Um, it sort of rings true with Joe Marler and his you know, longevity at Loosehead, Danny's longevity at nine. Felt a little bit the same with Chris Robshaw in the back row. Who was going to be the next, you know, yeah, long-term back rower? We wrong. found those back rowers with Evans and Kenningham and Chiz and Lorde have all sort of filled that shirt. We got quite lucky, didn't we? We had Jack Kenningham, who was cut from the same cloth as Robshaw in our academy, ready just to come in and, and play as well as he did from the off, which is a rarity for such a young player. It'll be very hard for that to happen again at, at Loosehead or Scrum Half. I wonder if... We'll talk about the game in greater detail shortly, but I wonder if the result from this weekend, which, okay, unpopular thing I'm about to say here, all but ends our domestic season. I wonder if that now means in our final three games, we see a little bit more of a rotation in that space. However, three games left, 15 <laughs> points available, could be enough for the playoffs. Hello. Shut up, Will. Stop making everyone believe in hope yeah. again. But maybe that means we don't, we don't rotate. I don't know. I don't it's, cra know. it's crazy, isn't it? Because I think you're right. I think oh, it's so horrible to even think about. We've got one game against Newcastle at home, 
which actually is at the Stoop, which I'm really looking forward to going to. It feels like months yeah, since we've been remember there. Remember that place? I know, I haven't been in genuinely it feels like weeks which it which it obviously is I think it was february wasn't it? it might have even been end of january might have been january and then we've got our you know second showpiece event of the year at twicken and big summer kickoff before we go on the road to leicester but in between that we've got a european campaign and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on as well with just sort of how far we how far we take europe what we think we can re- realistically achieve in europe so we'll see but i think you are right it's a horrible way of thinking about it because ultimately I, I think now the doom and gloom is setting a little bit on me. I do think that our league campaign is probably at an end now. I think if we'd beaten Saracens, we'd have got some momentum going into those games against Newcastle and Bristol. Then you've got one game in a bit of a shootout potentially against Leicester and you think, do you know what? Anything can happen. That could but be I think huge, after, couldn't it? I, think, I know what well, it could have been, but I think after losing... We've, we we won one game in the league since since January, so I think you are potentially right. We'll have to see how it pans out. But you know, we started this little segment talking about Lewis Shelton, but but also this is a bit of a broader to- broader topic. Are we going to see some people play some minutes? Are we going to see the likes of Ben Baxter? You know, would be good to see a little bit. Ben Baxter more. maybe get a start in a game. Are we going to see? He I I know it's a really niche and kind of small moment within the game, but he carried so well when he came on. And I found that really reassuring because all I hear about Finn Baxter is he's the the prodigy. He's going to be the next best scrummager in the world. He's <laughs> he's awesome at scrum time. And he comes on and he always does a pretty good job, but you don't see too much of him in the loose. He was carrying like a wrecking ball. And he's a big lad, Finn Baxter. I actually yeah. bumped into him on Northcote Road a few weeks ago. <laughs> and, like, Ow. and he's he's like the, the baby-faced assassin, isn't he? He's the nicest, friendliest bloke, as you'll remember from that post-match interview he did with Sonia. Lovely, lovely guy. But he is enormous. He is so wide and stacked and heavy thick. and thick. And for him to be trucking it up as hard as he did, he made one immense carry busting through the midfield. I'd like to see more of that from Finn. And to do that, he needs more minutes. We'll see how the next two or three weeks pan out. Obviously, our next game is in Europe. So we'll talk about that at the end of this episode. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting point you make. If that is going to be the end of our domestic season realistically a lot of things will have to go our way and we, you're probably right we do have to take 15 points from our next three games which probably isn't out of the question but feels like it might be we might see the likes of Steele just throw some more names out there liner back from injury Baxter in the loose Riley probably might get a start here and there we'll see we'll see how these things pan out we'll see if we get any more development out of these players a couple more results to round up from the weekend England women's kicked off their Six Nations campaign up at Kingston Park with a 58-7 to win over the Jocks. Uh, Abby Dow started at 15, Langley Tweemer started at 13, Lucy Packer at 9, and Amy Kane at the hooker. So four of our girls involved, which is brilliant. Sarah Hunter's swan song going out on a bit of a high after what is a pretty outstanding international career, 140-plus caps in international sport in any level of any sport is is pretty monumental you know none the least something so physical as rugby but yeah congratulations to her unbelievable and it looks like we're going to bounce back from the world cup and hopefully a grand slam for the red roses this year which would be brilliant and if we can see as many of our girls featuring as possible that'd be amazing mm. i did see that rosie galligan picked up a bit of a nasty hamstring injury yeah. she was limping around on she's out, of, out of the tournament unfortunately which isn't brilliant hopefully we see Ellie Kill done at some point. Um, and I'm just trying to think. Really interesting how Lucy Packer's the starting nine. She's kind of emerged over the last few seasons, kind of initially in the squad, 
took a bench spot and is now the starting nine for England. So mm. I remember when we first started this podcast, we had Leanne Riley, who is now Leanne mm. Infante, who has been to Bristol, now ended up at Saracens. And in that final, when we won the league, Leanne Riley was Mental. immense for us. Mental. She was so important for us winning that game of rugby and she was quite comfortably England's scrum half. Fast forward two years, we're not missing her anymore. We've got Lucy Packer, who's who's taken that England shirt from her and has helped progress our game as a club massively. So promising signs in our in our academy setup for the women's side as well as the men's side. A couple of names we should mention as well. Beth Blacklock started on the bench for Scotland. And it was good to see a friend of the podcast, Sarah Beckett, playing off the bench from Gloucester Hartbury. Ex-Harlequin, ex-friend of the podcast, was unlucky to miss out on the World Cup squad. Um, big, There was a big sort of Instagram post that she put out, which was pretty amazing about all the hard work people put in to get you know, into that position to then go and play in a World Cup and miss out. So I'm fortunate for her, but good to see her back in the mix. Now... There is a couple of things actually we want to sport we want to talk about before we get to reviewing the Saracens game, and then we need to have a little bit of a look forward as well. In the last couple of weeks, the season ticket renewals have opened for the club. <laughs> There's been a lot of chat about it online. Um, we've seen a few things, we've read a lot, we've sort of listened a lot, and we've had a bit of a think about sort of where we stand on it. The season ticket prices have gone up. And I'm not going to sort of go through the minutia of all the the maths and you know see how much it will cost extra for a month or for a season or for this or for that because I haven't got those exact figures to hand. But what I will say is that given what Laurie said in the State of Play event, plus what Adrian mentioned in that State of Play event, Adrian, who's the comms manager, for those of you that don't know, I am a little bit a little bit disappointed with some of the feedback I've seen online about those that are thinking about renewing. Okay. And I'm not going to pinpoint people that we've seen or call people out because that's just ridiculous. But something that I just wanted to, to point out a little bit, the club at the minute has a CEO who's an absolute star. Everything he touches seems to turn to gold. He's delivered on field success in both programs. Since we've been here, we've got global superstars in our squad on the men's and the women's section that almost every club in the world would bite their hand off for. We've got a style of rugby that, Everybody wants to watch because it's so much fun when it works. We saw that stat at the State of Play event, given that we were the number one club in terms of viewership. We were the number one in terms of selling out every single home game in the Gallagher Premiership, bar that one weekend against Sale where the trains were all broken and it rained and it was horrible. But it seems a little bit disappointing. You know, we've got huge waiting lists at the club at the minute. There's two and a half, I think 3,000 maybe on the waiting list for people wanting season tickets and, and I've just seen a few things out there where they're, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm thinking I'm going to renew. This has been the toughest decision I've had to make in terms of contract renewals. It seems that it'll be a little bit. And again, I'm, I'm trying to say this in a, in a positive way, because I don't want to create divisions amongst fans. We're one club with one family, but it seems a little bit like there's comments out there that are making it sound like it's a bit of a chore to come to the ground. And I think that is unfair. I don't think it's justified. We've got one of the best match day atmospheres you could have. We've renovated the north end of the stadium. You get the chance to watch ours play double headers at Twickenham twice across the season for the exact same price as you would watch us at the Stoop. We've got sold out events. We've got internationals. You know, I could go on and on and on. I can sit here very, very comfortably and say that without hesitation or second thought, I will be renewing my season ticket again this year. And for every year that I'm living in the area or, you know, unless there'll be some pretty mental circumstances to 
to come out that would mean I wouldn't have to renew. So I hope that the you know, vast majority of fans feel the same way. Yeah, I think um, I think the majority will be renewing, won't they? It's just one of those things that happens around renewal times when you see prices go up. It doesn't matter what it's for, whether it's for the club you support, whether it's your bills or whether it's transport costs, whatever. If something goes up and it's a big factor of your life, you're going to be disappointed by it, which I think is only natural. So just playing devil's advocate a little bit, I think. Naturally, when you see clubs like Wasps and Worcester go bust and to the point where one of them doesn't even exist anymore, it's so important that the club tries to rebalance the books a little bit. And, and the most efficient way of doing that to rebalance the books is to spread the cost. Unfortunately, that falls on the fans. It falls on us. But for me, as a big fan of the club, to pay an extra £6 a month, I think. Six pound a month or six pound a game quite, extra. I'm not quite sure exactly. Can't how be six pound a game. Second hand maths going on here, so um, forgive us. But for the extra cost of a pint per game, I think it's uh, a sacrifice I'm willing to make. It's it's a big part of the joy in my life, and I'm definitely going to be renewing. I think playing devil's advocate, my biggest gripe is the cost of food. It's it's not a cheap day out. I'm I'm not worried about paying extra money for a season ticket going into the club to watch the best team in the league. No problem with that. I absolutely love doing that. It's, the day out is just too expensive. The the drinks are too expensive. The food's too expensive. And actually, I'm not too worried about having to pay an extra £6 for my season ticket because it means I won't, won't be buying as many pints. So I think in the main, we all absolutely adore the Harlequins. The joy it brings us every single week. And most of us will be renewing. We just need to to give ourselves a little bit of a pinch and, and realise that there is a cost of living crisis and it does affect the fans more than anybody. Um, and there needs to be some kind of way that the fans are rewarded for their loyalty as opposed to just upping prices. So I'll be there. I'll be renewing, as will the majority of Quinn's fans, I'm sure. Just needs to be a little bit more reward for that. Hopefully that slight increase will be rewarded with on-field success because ultimately people will keep paying as long as we're doing well. And if we keep playing a style and a brand of rugby that is attractive and people want to watch, so I've got no concerns. But in terms of the actual rugby, we should probably talk about the showdown. I actually didn't make it, um, which is unfortunate. I had been to the Spurs stadium before. I actually went to a European conference game at Spurs against Paco de Ferreira or somebody about two or three years ago. Was anyone there? Yeah, it's about half full to be fair, but the stadium is incredible from memory. Yeah. And I was actually quite yeah. lucky because a friend of mine that I went with had his dad's client or something had a couple of season tickets going in one of the hospitality bits. So I got to mm. experience it in all its glory. And it is a pretty amazing place. Let's talk Ooh, about the stadium incredible. to start with. What were your thoughts on the ground before we talk about Yeah, the well, I had a brilliant day out. I went down with my mate from home, Zach, and we went to Camino in King's Cross before for some lovely Spanish tapas for lunch. So oh, we got, we, yeah, it was amazing, to be honest. We were trying to keep costs down because we'd just been paid and we've got into a really bad habit of <laughs> as soon as payday rolls around that first weekend, you go and blow half of it. So <laughs> we were we were on top of it and we managed to... We booked in there because we could get a 30% discount on food. So we thought, right, let's go in there, get a few tapasy bits, get 30% off, and then get over to the stadium nice and early. Because as you say, it must be the newest stadium in Europe. I can't think of another big global sports team that have recently renovated their stadium to the scale of Tottenham. I, I, I might be wrong, but I can't think of any other stadium that's just been redone like that. So it's, in my opinion, one of the newest stadiums in, in Europe and therefore the world. I just think walking down to the ground, you don't quite realise how amazing the stadium is. 
until you're on the inside and we walk down we're going up escalators it's like you're in a shopping center the bars are immaculate you've got marble floors we go out and there's like carpeted areas outside which felt a little bit absurd it felt far too nice to be a football stadium i couldn't quite believe we were in like one of the um hospitality areas where it was like a public bar and i just couldn't quite picture loads of football fans being in there because it felt <laughs> too nice it felt like they'd break it it was like glass everywhere marble floor, everything yeah it was just lovely but me and my friend zach had lots of great debates across the day from international selection to what's wrong with club rugby and the premiership and stadia was one of them and we were saying if you could pick up that stadium and drop it in twickenham english rugby would be incredible the experience would be amazing i know twickenham sells out all the time anyway and the prices are ridiculous but that would be an unbelievable venue that would be so important for the RFU because of all the capabilities it's got with changing the turf out for NFL games, for concerts. Spurs have actually just struck up a deal with Formula One where they're going to have an e-cart, I think it's e-karting, some kind of karting track built into the stadium so they can just pop up a go-karting track whenever they want, which I think will be for like a development pathway to F1, which is an unbelievable partnership huge commercial value to Tottenham. If Quinns were to ever redo their stadium, it would have to be multi-purpose. It can't be a place where rugby gets played once every two weeks and that's how it makes its money. It's got to be multi-purpose where you can do concerts. You can do the hockey, which we've done a few times before. You can host other sporting events. You can host karting. I don't know. The fact that karting can be hosted at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium blows my mind, but... As I went in and kind of experienced it all, it was mind-blowing. And whatever seat you sit in was a spectacular view. The big screens were in each corner. It wasn't just two at either end. There was four, which gave you an even better view because it wasn't sort of lateral to you. You had a bit more perspective of the screen, which was great for replays. Just an amazing place to be in really nice sort of spring conditions and a thoroughly entertaining game of rugby. Plenty of tries, lots of entertainment. Lots of controversial things that happened. Just a good day out. What about selection then? What were your thoughts? Because also we did see, you know, in the <coughs> early sort of minutes before kickoff, it was announced that Steph wasn't going to play. Dino went straight into the starting side and George Hammond came onto the bench. What were your thoughts on the team when it came out on lunchtime yeah. Friday? I mean, I was really confident. I think that's as good a team as we could have fielded with the exception of maybe Will Evans starting at seven, which I actually want to talk to you about in a little bit more mm. detail. So I won't cover the full sort of scope of the 15 and, and what I thought on selection. I want to talk about him because he's been on the bench the last couple of weeks, which makes me think he's fit and he can play because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be even on the bench. We know his injury record. It's not worth risking him. What's going on? Why is he not playing? I don't know because I, I can't remember which game it was. I think it was Gloucester away, I think, when I went. He didn't play, and somebody mentioned it might have been an illness or something mm. of that nature. It wasn't like a, you know, a, a muscular thing or a sort of structural thing with his body. It was like a an, like an illness. So I thought, well, okay, that's sounds not brilliant, but he, you know, couple of weeks, bit of flu, whatever it was. Mm. But he just hasn't hasn't yeah, been around. We since. are and it, six weeks later, and it, it looked kind of justified when we played at big game because he was on the bench that day as well. But Kenningham played. Chisholm and Lorde all played. The back row was monumental that day, so it sort of looked like yeah. a justified decision. And then we hadn't played, you know, 
same thing happened against Bristol where we we all got turned over. We really needed him for Bristol, didn't we? He would have been the disruptor that slowed them down and, and disrupted their play, which ultimately was what killed us in that game. They were so quick and we just couldn't keep up and they caught us out of position. He was a big loss for us in that game, but I'd like to think of it as James Chisholm was so epic against Exeter that he just kept his shirt. Yeah, and I think that's probably good. fair. And in fact, in the first 60 seconds of the game, James Chisholm nails Ben Earl, who dislodges the ball. And Mm. moments later, we're down there ending Alex Dombrandt scoring within the first minute. So maybe it's justified that it could be. It could, yeah. I'm a massive James Chisholm fan, huge James Chisholm fan. I've always thought he'd be our six, but he's doing a good job at seven. I'm just a little bit bemused by the, the lack of Will Evans, who, despite not playing the last few weeks, is still streets ahead in the turnover table. One more interesting debate on selection as well was that Joe Marchant started on the wing with Luke Northmore at 13. So Josh Bassett has played a lot of rugby for us since signing dropped out of the squad completely. <laughs> and we saw that Lewis Liner started on the wing this weekend for London Scottish against Caldy. So how, how did they get return, on? I, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Scottish lost again, which is a concern. But That's a concern. Good to, Huge good concern. To see that, I don't know why we're all ignoring Lewis, it. <laughs> well, it's good to see that Lewis is back, though, isn't it? Good to see. Really that good. Might be, might be not that far away. Have you seen the photo of him and Lennox after the game? They're obviously yes. really good childhood mates who grew up together through the Queen's Academy together. Now playing for Scottish as um, Lennox tries to get more minutes and Lewis tries to get more fitness. So that was nice to see. But I'm not too, um, not too concerned about Bassett dropping out of the 23. He needed that rest a little bit. I think next week away at the Stormers is probably his kind of game. He's a big bustling winger, which suits that. Twice yeah, he did score twice, Kenton, didn't he, didn't against he? the Sharks? And he's got pace, he's physical. I think that's a bit of him that game. So quite happy to see the rotation there. So Bassett, good pick for next week. And I think we were as strong as we could be this week. I'm glad Marchant was back in. In fact, I was again, I'm going to mention my mate who's a Saracens fan who I was sat next to and he couldn't be more complimentary of Joe Marchant. He genuinely thinks Joe Marchant should be starting for England, and so do I. He's an athlete. The way he competes at kickoff is such a niche skill that not many yeah. other players have got, and so important for us in reclaiming the ball. To start like that and instantly shift momentum is a great skill, and he's brilliant at that. And then the there was one thing he did, I think. The crossfield kick came over right on our touchline, and he managed to pluck it out of the air, tiptoeing along the touchline, and, and step back in and beat a man. Just a skill that not many people have got in the locker, even as wingers. And he's not even an out-and-out winger. So I'm glad that he played on the wing and we accommodated Luke Northmore. Interesting in the team sheet, they were down as 11 and 14 and, th- and then they swapped numbers. I always thought Caden was a left winger. Yeah, yeah. Caden's always been a left wing until Josh Bassett arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing on the right wing. But Caden, oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. There are not many better rugby players in the world than him <laughs> right now, let alone in England. And the way he finished both of his tries was a real statement of intent, just running over and demolishing Max Malins. Here's Smith, goes wide, Murley, in he goes! Through Malins and beyonds! Do you think Murley's trying to prove a point today? <laughs> well, that little one-on-one it. battle has, uh, for the most part, been, been won by the Harlequin. But what I particularly loved about it is in the middle of those two incredible finishes... We're defending our line, probably about five metres out, and Malins gets the ball, and he's obviously trying to get one over Caden. Caden picks him up and dumps him back about three metres before we get the turnover in the next phase. And it was just 
a masterclass in a left winger performance. And Steve Borthwick, what more has this kid got to do? I know. We talked about England actually as well and how he's still figuring out his side. And Max Malins has got a bit of sparkle. He played incredibly well actually in, in broken play. He was he was threatening and lively, and he'll always be in the squad. But Anthony Watson has had his day, in my opinion. He's also a great player to have in the squad and can cover fullback as well as wings. But you need some stardust. You need try scorers. You look at Ireland with James Lowe. You look at Wales with Reese Zammett and Adams. You look at Scotland with Van der Merwe. We don't have a winger like that. Caden Murley is that winger. He scores tries and he finds a way to finish. He's physical, he's reliable, and he defends like a trooper. He's got to get in the mix. He's got to get in the mix. And we've, it's boring. I'm sorry for everybody listening. It's boring. I know it's boring. <laughs> we talk about it every week, but what more can this kid do? He was exceptional. He was exceptional. He, I'm surprised that he didn't get mad of the match. I don't know if that's me being deluded, but he was that good. It was one of the few bright sparks yesterday, wasn't it? Watching him yeah. run over Malins twice. But interesting, isn't it? Because we talk about the head-to-heads with Jamie George and Jack Walker and Don Brandt v. Vunapola and Smith v. Farrell. It was almost the forgotten head-to-head and it was mm. the one that delivered the most. It had the most excitement. You had both attacking very well, but then you had Caden absolutely creaming him in contact, both attacking and defending. It had everything. It was a great head-to-head. Pure entertainment. Really enjoyed it. Quick point on the first half. Obviously, like you said, we scored super quick and then you know, Lozowski scored on the sixth minute. Tompkins goes over on the twelfth minute. Thoughts on the two card incidents that involved Danny? Obviously, one that wasn't given as a card, which was similar to the Freddie Stewart incident in Dublin last weekend, and then the actual yellow card that he did get. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think he got, got them both right. The referee, Luke Pierce. I think they were both right disappointed with Danny to make such a brainless decision to slap the ball down. It's you need your big players in big games and they don't come much bigger than him in games like this. He's he loves playing against Saracens, normally scores against Saracens and you know one thing I will say, Marcus Smith is a pretty exceptional scrum <laughs> half, isn't he? Oh my goodness. We almost played better when he was at scrum half. Just get the ball. Didn't have a ten. We were just trucking it up, trucking it up, trucking it up. We had possession in that 10-minute window when Danny was off, we only conceded three points, and that was from the penalty. Quite quite remarkable how good he was box-kicking and just dictating play at scrum half. So, Steve Borthwick, if you're not sure about the 10 debates, Smith or Farrell, just put Smith at nine. <laughs> He's better than Jack Van Porthleet. Yeah, and both on the pitch. It, it was quite remarkable how good he was. But, yeah, just disappointed because it, it was a little bit brainless from one of our more senior players. And I think, ultimately, when you look at a scoreline like 36-24... For us, that's not a big defeat. You can easily bag two tries in quick succession when you play the way Harlequins play. We very nearly got that through Nick David in the second half, and that would have been a losing bonus point. And then when you're in that position, it's it's game on, right? You just need one try to potentially win it. But we lost the big moments, I think, and, and that was one of the bigger moments. We lost Danny at the wrong time. And whilst we only conceded three from it, we we were unable to fire our attack. And I think that was crucial because we had the possession, we had the territory, but we just couldn't get any points from it. And then the second moment in the game was that Luke Northmore yellow. And I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, but again, that's another big moment in the game where we've just wrestled back some momentum. We look like we've got the opportunity to put the foot on the pedal and really take it to Saracens. And it just sucks all of our energy out of us and all of our momentum out of us. And another big moment in the game that we lose. Interesting that Van Zyl didn't go off straight away for a HIA. Took him through. We, we, talk, we talked off. about that as well. We 
I think people, really, people I think around us really must have got annoyed, but it, it was very, really very bad. poor. Really poor. We were saying it at the time, you might not have seen on the TV, one of the medics comes sprinting across from the far side of the field back to the dugout, and I think he touches his neck as if to say it's a neck injury, not a head injury. Right. But then he goes off five minutes after trying to play on for a bit, and it, it's not a good look at all. But then he does come back on eventually. So, Which is, uh, but that's fine. He has to go straight away, though. I think yeah. he played on for three or four minutes. I think that's really, really dangerous. Oh, completely. That's a bad precedent. But completely. Half time, we are 22 7 in arrears. What's the atmosphere like where you're sat? What's the atmosphere like, you know, within your own head? How are you feeling? Uh, well, actually, at half time, I was feeling quite pessimistic, I think, because you can't go in 15 points down to top of the league. Saracens, who are, let's be real, we can put the rivalry to one side. They're a an exceptional rugby team littered with superstars. They play in a really difficult way to break them down and to break them down enough to overturn a 15 point deficit is almost unheard of. It's in their big game equivalent. The showdown is at Tottenham Hotspur stadium. They're not going to roll over and let us score that many points as much as we know we can do it. We've not had the form to suggest that we would do it. And at halftime, I'm thinking 15 points is too much. Let's see what we can take from the game. But we do score pretty quickly, don't we? We score in the what forty third minute, I think it was. Kane goes over really bright. We start really, really. And that's, bright. that's what always makes it feel quite disappointing for us is that traditionally we don't start games that quickly. We score in the first couple of minutes in the first half, and we yeah. we come out of the traps in the second half, and we score quickly again. And we just kept finding a way just to you just know what's disappointing us back into the yeah, game. Well, not only that. We could have scored after that as well. Alex Dombrant cutting a line just overruns it slightly. Oh, there's, there's a handling well, error and he was in. And at that point, it's one point in the game and yeah. we've got all of the momentum. We've got our tails up. We're playing on a big pitch in a big environment. We're spoiling the party. Just too many slight errors of judgment and too many handling errors and... We were often our downfall at times, particularly in this miserable run of form that we've had. We've often been our own worst enemy and oh, hindsight's lovely, isn't it? But you just yeah. think if that sticks, it's a different game. Really disappointing. And then Kane scores again on the 60th. Again, we just, you know, because they scored in between both tries as well, didn't they? They had um, Sean Maitland goes over in the 56th. But then we get another one back. And I think you're right, the killer. I mean, not... Not that the game wasn't gone before that. I still think we were a long way off and hadn't deserved to win the game at any stage. But the Luke Northmore card comes on the 63rd and then we just, you know, you cannot beat, unfortunately, the best side in the competition when you've got 60 minutes without yeah. 15 men on the pitch. It doesn't happen. And yes, they got a yellow card late in the game. Um, Andy Christie goes off in the 70th minute and gave us a sniff when Marchant scored on the 72nd. But you don't win the game against the best sides in the competition when you're playing with 14, especially not playing without without scrum half and Marcus has to go to nine, you know, however well he plays for those 10 minutes. You don't you don't win those games when you do that. No. No, and unfortunately, I think that all but ends our domestic season, which I hate to say because it is mathematically possible, but we've just not had the form to suggest we can turn it around and there's too many good teams around us that seem to be turning it on at this moment in time. So... One positive is that our next couple of games against the two bottom teams in the league, you'd mm. like to think they're both wins, but who knows at this point? They're both at home. Well, Newcastle t- Newcastle turned over Gloucester on Friday night as well, didn't they? they? Did, with 14 men for the majority as well, yeah. so they're looking good. But I don't think they travel so well, so 
Um, let's see what comes of it. Let's see what comes of it. If we can give ourselves a sniff going into the final game away at Leicester, that could be a straight shootout and that would be quite incredible. But I'm um, I'm not going to let myself hope too much because it is the hope that kills you, as our good friend Dave <laughs> Rogers will say. But we do look forward to Europe now. A competition where we do have hope. A competition where we're doing something a little bit different. We're playing away in South Africa. We're playing against the top side in the Stormers. And I don't see why we can't beat them. And also, if we do beat them, we get another home game at the Stoop, which is not just important for the players, but important for the club. Having lost two games in the Premiership this season against Worcester and Wasps, that's a huge opportunity for the club to balance a few books in terms of some revenue somewhere. It also gives us another day with everyone and with all your friends at our home. So I think this this is really important. What what are your realistic thoughts on Europe? Because it feels like ages since I've even thought about it, you know, given yeah. where we finished in the table and given yeah. we had all that, you know, stat sheets and maths trying to work out where wow. it go. was it the Ospreys, was it Leicester? Yeah. You end up at the Stormers. If that was good fun, wasn't it? I missed well, that time. It we was still had quite a lot win. of hope in that period, didn't we? And I think if we win and... Well, as as you say this, I've reached my phone to check well, our it's... exact route. But I think we've got a fairly English side of the draw with Exeter and Saracens. If Exeter beat Montpellier, we go away to Exeter. But if Montpellier turn them over, we'll play them at home. And we, we know how pretty, that went last year. And we had a pretty amazing game at home in the sun against them last time, didn't we? We did. We did. How far can we realistically go, do you reckon, though? I mean, do we now... Like we said at the start, do we think now that domestically we, we will do as well as we possibly can? Because we still need to finish in the top six or seven to maintain Champions Cup status for next season. Yeah, we do. I'd That's... like to think we can get there with our with our three games. I, I think maybe. so. And I think that is really important. I think, you know, pessimistically, and, you know, I'm sorry to, to you know, dampen the spirit, but I think the top four dream is out the window for this year. We're not going to win the Premiership. We're not going to finish in the top four, mm. but we do need to make sure that we do finish as close as we can to maintain Champions Cup status next season. Yeah. But how far can we realistically push a European campaign? I think the objectives for this season now and success for me is to secure Champions Cup rugby for next season. And then in Europe, it's hard because I don't know an awful lot about the Stormers. They're a relatively new team to me. But we are in a new competition with new mentalities and a lot to prove more than anything. Now we've got so much to prove. And I think given it's probably the only competition that we have a chance of winning, which sounds absurd to say, but we're in it. So we can quite absurd, doesn't it? (laughs) You'd think we'd go all in on it. So I think get past the stormers. I actually think Montpellier or Exeter are very, very winnable. When you think about what we did to Exeter the other week and what we did to Montpellier last season, I almost think, this is a bigger game against the Stormers and the game after, I know it's, I'm going to get shot in the face for this, but the game after is almost a little bit more winnable. Mm. So let's go all in. Let's treat this like a cup final. This is last 16, I think, isn't it? So if we can get to the quarterfinals, win that, maybe a semi-final is as far as we can get. And I would be over the moon with that European might, away day in a semi-final. It might be just what we need at this point of the year. Having yeah. had such a, barbaric run of form in the premiership from Christmas having won one game in six or seven or however long it's been playing a new competition against a new size yeah, refreshing I, isn't it I hope we do play against Montpellier at home because it gives us a chance to play a side that we haven't played you know obviously last year but 
we can go into it with a completely fresh perspective. Beating the Stormers away in South Africa would be monumental. They do really well in the URC. I think they're in the top two or three. Yeah, they won it the other year, didn't they? Won it recently. This is what I mean. This is the biggest hurdle, I think. Mm. So, so let's, let's we'll see. Give it our all in this one. Give it our all. We need we need a bit of hope, don't we? Since we started the podcast, we won the league in our first year. Last year we hit the playoffs. This year it feels a little bit of a, a slow and sad ending. So let's hope Europe can bring us some joy. And I think it will. I'd I'd love to see us go away to Cape Town on a rock hard track with a bit of sun, a bit of fresh perspective on the boys. You know, some of them have been through a really grueling Six Nations campaign. Some of them haven't played heaps of rugby in the last six to eight weeks, given the fact there's internationals on. I assume the club will do what they did when we went to the Sharks. They'll take a big squad. They'll have a week out there. They'll have. Well, they're going to need it, aren't they? They're going to yeah. need cheering up. A week long, you know, campaign, doing all the things that someone like Cape Town has to offer, and then we go out on a Saturday on the first of April and we go and try and turn them over. I think that's, you know, as good as what we can hope for, and is probably quite realistic. And we give ourselves a chance, like you say, of having another home game. If Montpellier yeah. beats it, and then we might even get a European semi-final, which is crazy to think where we've come yeah. from. Let's let's take it easy here. Let's take it <laughs> easy. Here. I think you know what's interesting is that it's almost a blessing that we had a South African team in the pool stages. I know we're disappointed we didn't get an away day, but to have already had that experience on the yeah, road and, and get good out point. there and acclimatize and do the travel and do the week, I think is going to be a good thing. It's yeah. not new to us anymore. It's something that they've experienced before. There's going to be less unknowns, less uncertainties, less anxiety with it all. I think it'll be a good thing. And we got very close, didn't we? Yeah. Very close. It was a great, great game. Point. Good point from you, Will. Love to finish on a bit of positivity. Come on. Come on. The Quins. Well, look, that's all we'll leave it for this week. Unfortunately, the result didn't go our way, but it looked like a pretty amazing day out. And the more rugby we get in big stadiums like Spurs can only be good for the game. So if that is to be where our domestic campaign hits the buffers then fingers crossed the European charge is what we need for the rest of the season thank you all for listening we'll be back soon bringing you more content hopefully some more guests and hopefully a good run into the end of the season thanks for into listening. Europe come on Europe to Europe we go come on the quiz